0: The stats are crystal clear. If a child is not reading at grade level by the third grade, the likelihood of that child living in poverty as an adult is extremely high. Not to mention there is an indisputable correlation between childhood illiteracy and things like adult incarceration and substance abuse. And so I thought then, and still think, that this is an area in which the church needs to be active. This, I thought, and still think, is a true mission field. Therefore, I began to consult with early childhood education specialists, literal Harvard PhDs on the subject, and also with local business leaders, and nonprofit directors and public school superintendents and denominational executives. This all minds you years ago at my church in Kentucky. And everyone agreed that this was a solid plan: to pair teachers and academics and writers and journalists, with children and teens in the area who needed help with reading and writing. And we wouldn't just make it a tutoring center, we said. Instead, this would be an imagination center, a workshop in which each child would be encouraged to dream and to create, a place where each child's work would be shaped and refined by professional mentors, a place where each child's work would ultimately be celebrated by and displayed before the local community. We would expose these young children to quality literature that would open their eyes to new possibilities. Introduce them to stories that would expand their conception of who they could potentially become. Preach the gospel, St. Francis famously said, and if necessary, use words. Well, we thought, because it is necessary, we will use words. The written word. Yes, we were all excited about this idea. We were all convinced of the impact it could make. We were all of the belief that God was leading us in this direction. And so we held meetings, and I gave presentations, and we solicited partners. And while everyone, and I mean everyone, agreed that this was a great and important idea, moving it forward was proving far more onerous than any of us had imagined. The desire for this ministry was there, but the momentum for it just wasn't. And that's where I'm going to end this story for right now. I will come back to it, of course, but for now, I want to talk about Acts chapter 16. For here, in today's short little passage from Acts 16, we learn an important lesson about how the Holy Spirit of God works. For you see, here in this passage, Paul and Timothy are on a mission throughout the Mediterranean. And they have their sights set on going to the Roman province of Asia, but the Holy Spirit, quote, forbids them from going. Thus, they reverse course and decide that it will be prudent and beneficial to go to Bithynia. But alas, as it comes time to set sail for Bithynia, quote, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And so, once more, their certain plans are frustrated by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let us make clear both of these had been solid plans. Going to the province of Asia made enormous amounts of sense. Going to Bithynia, given its close proximity to where they currently were, made even more sense. Both of these ideas promised in their own ways to be fruitful. Both of these areas no doubt would have been good climates for gospel ministry. Yet try though they might to move forward in these directions, they were, quote, forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And so let us look at what happens next. Let us look at what happens because they were forbidden and because they were perceptive enough and obedient enough not to go anyway. During the night, the text tells us, Paul had a vision and there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So having had this vision, And having sensed in his spirit that this was where God was in fact calling them, Paul and with him Timothy set sail for Macedonia. Even though Macedonia had not even been on their radar when they were hatching their plans. So we continue to talk about that literacy ministry in Kentucky made more plans, solicited and secured more partners and more volunteers. We even began discussing the creation of a board of directors. For many of us thought that this could be an important ministry not only in eastern Kentucky but all across the country. It was a great idea I still think it was a great idea. But the more we planned, the more excited about it we got, the more difficult it was proving to get it off the ground. Well, fast forward to October of that same year, where in a mission committee meeting, my friend Paul Sims, our music minister whom you've all met, pointed out that it was nearing winter and casually reminded the committee that we had a significant and growing homeless population in the area and that what's more, there was not a sufficient homeless shelter within 75 miles. And so, Paul said, on these freezing nights, these folks don't have anywhere to go. Well, in response to that, someone on our committee said, well, then we should provide them shelter. And then someone else suggested an idea of how we might do that. And then someone else piped in. And then someone else said something. And before you knew it, we had a plan in place and a relationship with a local hotel that would allow us to put up a small number of persons facing homelessness on nights when the forecast called for temperatures below 29 degrees. And doing the math together, we figured that if we could just raise $6,000 from within our church, we could then house a handful of individuals and families each night through January. It wasn't nearly enough, we knew, but it was something. So on a late November night at our annual church Advent dinner, we announced our plan for this new ministry, and we invited people to give to the cause. Unlike the literacy and imagination ministry, there had been only a few short weeks of planning for this, and numerous details had not even yet been finalized. Well, the following morning, which was the first night when the forecast had it falling below 29 degrees, we hung a white flag outside of our life center, and our youth minister posted an announcement on Facebook and Twitter about what we were doing. That was at about 9 a.m. At 11 a.m. that same morning, the NBC affiliate in Lexington called our church office saying that they'd seen our post and wanted to come down and film us and do a segment that they wanted to be the lead story on that evening's broadcast. Then, not an hour later, the ABC affiliate called us saying the same thing. Meanwhile, that Facebook post got shared over 500 times in a single day. People commenting on it and sharing it all over the world, literally. And the next thing we knew, churches and businesses and nonprofits from all over our little city were sending our church checks, some of them sizable checks, and inquiring about how they could volunteer. It's amazing. Absolutely astonishing. All these years later, I remain astonished. And I'll get to the point now, so I won't belabor this. We began that ministry on a wing and a prayer with the hope of housing a handful of people each night on a first-come, first-served basis. And we thought that if we could just raise $6,000, which was a stretch goal for us, Then we could sustain that pace through January, at which point our funds would run out. Well, By the time that first season of our ministry concluded, we had raised $60,000. And we didn't have to turn a single person away. Made it through the entire winter. For Paul and Timothy, Asia looked amazing. Bithynia looked better still. Macedonia, meanwhile, wasn't even on the radar. But suddenly the Holy Spirit of God nudged Paul and said, Go there. And Paul, to his great credit, rather than running roughshod over this place, Prodding, rather than setting sail to Asia or Bithynia anyway, instead, Paul heeded and he sailed on to Macedonia. And 2,000 years later, we are all the beneficiaries of that decision. Because you see, where Paul and his crew ultimately landed in Macedonia was a Roman colony called. Philippi. And Philippi is where Paul established the church whose name bears the title of that magisterial letter that we as Christians read and are so nurtured by still today. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or worthy of praise... Think on such things. That famous verse and so many other treasures just like it are ours today because and only because the Apostle Paul heeded the Holy Spirit and went to Macedonia rather than to Asia or Bithynia. The point. According to Jesus Himself, the Holy Spirit leads wherever it wills, and oftentimes where the Spirit wills is not where we originally think God is directing us. Something may make perfect sense in our minds, something may appear to be popular. Something may appear to be advantageous. Something may seem like the obvious thing to do. My literacy and imagination ministry sure did. But we never know when the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead us away from Asia and Bithynia and to Macedonia. We never know when the Holy Spirit is going to lead us away from a sure-thing literacy ministry and to an uncertain, at best, housing and relief ministry. Just as we never know when that unplanned trip to Macedonia might give rise to a letter that will bolster Christian faith for some 2,000 years, or how a hastily thrown together homelessness ministry might all these years later continue to bring in tens of thousands of dollars each year and might continue to this day to bind an entire city together around such an important cause. The Holy Spirit leads wherever it wills, Jesus teaches. Or as the KJV puts it, and I've always loved, it blows wherever it listeth. And we do well to remember this, both as individuals and as a community of faith. For if we, like Paul, remain open to the movement of the Spirit, then God might just point us in a direction like Macedonia that we never imagined ourselves going, but that might come to continue to bear fruit in our lives and in our church for years and years to come. As we conclude this six-week study on the book of Acts and on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church, I believe that this is a perfect place for us to finish. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If we remain attuned, dear family, God will show us the next step into that future. At which point it is up to us to trust the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit that leads wherever it wills and that blows wherever it listeth. Yes, that same Spirit that led Paul to Macedonia continues to lead on to unexpected places today. I know this from experience. And I'm certain that you do too. Pray, God, that we would know it once more. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. And then prayerfully, we wait for its leading. Amen.